I'm ready. Well, kind of ready. I didn't watch the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So you can give us a nice book perspective. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real DMC podcast. Uh, Today, we're talking about the 1984 film, David Lynch's version of Dune. The beginning is a very delicate time. We figured it might be an interesting topic right now because Marcus just read the book. This is one of Colin's favorite movies. And of course, there is the remake coming up soon. So DMC stands for Dave, Marcus, and Colin. I am here with Marcus and Colin. Marcus, of course, did not watch the movie, but that's okay, because that's just how we roll. But how are, how are you doing today, guys? I spent many hours reading the book. Yeah, I took, that's probably, the, yeah. I took the long way around. I, yeah. I know how Marcus is doing. He's doing very hot. I can see, I, I am, I can see the I'm quite warm. On your forehead. Can you see me sweating here? Is, oh, it, the, yeah. is it the pressure, it the pressure oh, yeah. to deliver on this podcast? It's, wow. it's the fact that it's like 94 degrees out, and, and he's... 94 degrees, and I just moved. I'm in the garage, and I just moved, like... 800 pounds of pottery. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll be all right. We'll all make right. it through. Uh, oh, my. oh, my. Okay, well, let's talk about maybe how we ended up uh, on this particular movie. So, Colin, this is a long-term favorite of yours, so maybe you can start us off just in terms of your you know, relationship to the movie and why, why you like this movie. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about it on our 1984 podcast. I just really like this movie. I know it, it, it doesn't get a lot of love, but it's I, I would probably call it like a cult favorite. Know then that it is the year 10,191. In this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melange. The spice extends life. The spice expands consciousness the spice exists on only one planet in the entire universe a desolate dry planet with vast deserts the planet is arrakis also known as june when it came out uh, i think it was a sort of a confused mess and that's why a lot of people didn't like it they just didn't understand what was going on and to be honest with you i i was a little confused by it as well but it, it totally stuck with me and mostly that's because <laughs> there's some really weird shit in this um but it's totally it's very david lynchian and i think this is where my um my admiration for david lynch started um and then over the course of the years, I'd seen it a couple other times and really liked it mostly for the, well, I love the science fiction action. You, you accent, sorry. I love the science fiction. Um, what is a science aspect, fiction accent? As, aspect <laughs> of it. Don't, don't get me started on a science fiction accent. To see, um, see Star Trek, the next generation. Yeah. <laughs> is for, it for, most, mostly British? <laughs> the, uh, the set design, the uh, costumes, all of that is really great in this movie. I, I think a, a few years after this came out, they came out with a version on TV, an extended version that had a lot more of the deleted scenes and it, it made more sense. And then a, a few years after that, I read the book because I hadn't I had not read the book before. My dad had it because um, he had read it uh, years earlier and I just fell in love with it. It was so great. And, um, and it had the benefit of being able to 
as I'm reading the book, use the David Lynch version of the of the characters and the and the uh, the costumes and the set design and everything. And it was just this amazing, amazing piece of, of art. So when you read um, the book, you're actually picturing Kyle MacLachlan as a... Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And, uh, and the still suits and the costumes, uh, you know, the, uh, the Harkonnens, like everything. Um, so yeah. yeah but Colin, uh, Colin dreams of Kyle MacLachlan quite often. That's, <laughs> well, I had a little man crush on him for a while. He's a cool guy. I love Twin Peaks. Hey, Marcus, Marcus, you just did read the book, but I'm curious, when is the last time that you saw the movie that you remember? I don't think I've seen the movie. Oh, really? <laughs> We've never seen the movie? Dude, I don't think so. We should, we should stop this podcast right now. You should watch the movie, and then we would have a much more interesting conversation, but that's okay. Probably. We'll make it through. Um, <laughs> I've, I've going to be seen previews. I might have seen parts of it. I don't think I've actually seen the whole movie, though, now. I watched well, the uh, pre- preview for the new one. Does that count? No, it does not. <laughs> so, hey, Colin, maybe we can just, I'm, I am curious, because I, I did watch this or rewatch it last night, you know, seen this movie many times. It, maybe it was the first time that I had, you know, purposefully sat down to watch the entire thing end to end in, been a long time, maybe 20 years, I would say, for me. Because I've seen pieces of it along the way, but I uh, haven't, you know, sat down and just watched it. Lots of interesting observations. For me, I guess what I, and I texted you during the movie, but I got confused as to what version I was expecting or that I was going to see. Because the main difference for me is the, you know, when they go to the desert, I expected, I thought that Paul had to have the knife fight against the dude in the Fremen because that's how they sort of earn their respect, right? That would make sense. But in the, in the versions, because I watched the two hour and 15 uh, minute, or was it, yeah, two hours and 15 minutes, I think, yep. uh, last night. And that just, it just totally blows past that. So all of a sudden, these guys hit the desert. They show up, and uh, hey, you're the Messiah without without so much as even like a you know like a quick conversation about it. It is the legend. Um, yeah. So I, I also just rewatched it again yesterday. Um, it was the two hour and fifteen minute version, and um, and then I I delved into the deleted scenes and I and I saw that scene. And what I realized was that that a lot of those scenes were put into that extended version that was that was done for. TV, um, somewhere around like the end of the 80s. Um, and then you said there's a there's a like a three and a half hour cut to this movie floating around out there. Is that right? Supposedly, well, a, well uh, yeah, there's a Japanese like a Japanese uh, version. They aired, they added some music, more scenes, which I don't know where they came from the scenes, but there's a laser disc disc version. I can tell you where they get the scenes. Sorry, it's, so there's a there's an edit. This guy named Spice Diver. I actually no. I started watching that. He he okay. he basically it was like a ten year project of his that he wanted to like recut it and so that it it made a lot more sense. So he yeah, took he all collected that. up all the footage from like everywhere and spliced it all together into a. Uh, he even like edited the film to add like more blue eyes to the uh, characters. Um, so it was like more. He added Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to read the book. So here's here's the reason my justification is I wanted to read the book prior to watching the movie, so I'd have that background. And I read the book once in high school, but it's kind of wasted on uh, any good literature assignments wasted on high schoolers. So I had to reread it to actually understand. And, and not I believe that was Mr. Alessandri's class, right? It was was he uh, yes. the science? I was very, I was very jealous. You got to do that as an assignment. That's why I remember that teacher's name. <laughs> It was a great, uh, great class, science fiction and horror. So I reread it, and then I intended to rewatch the movies and 
life happens. So you mean to actually watch the movie? Well, yeah. Because exactly. we, we, we've already established that you've never <laughs> seen this movie. All right. Well, it's probably actually uh, a, a good thing that you read the book because you might be just as confused as um, a lot of people were when they saw this movie without having first uh, read it. You know, what's interesting. I was, I was thinking about uh, having Jessamy just sit down and watch the first like five minutes of this movie just to get her read <laughs> on it. We, I didn't end up doing it, but I was just kind of, you know, if you go in cold, because I, what I was trying to do, I was doing it a little bit as an, as an experiment. I, I know the movie really well, but I was trying to watch it as if I had was not familiar with the source material. And after that, like the amount of exposition that happens in that first 10 minutes is just, it's mind numbing, right? In terms of the known universe, the planets, and then it cuts to Paul and he has his, you know, he has his electronic system and it's giving him all this really very detailed exposition in the form of, you know, uh, uh, reference material. I, I think all that's pretty interesting. I, I can see where people were just like, after the intro, like, what the fuck is going on? You can, you can easily get there. Well, how, how much you, of this am I supposed to remember? Well, what's really interesting about that, Dave, is that um, in the deleted scenes, there's a lot more of the narration by Princess Irulan in the beginning that that sort of uh, adds a lot more information that you really sort of need. Mm -hmm. But if there's so much of that exposition that it, you know, I think they were like, we can't we can't do that. We're just like we're we're the audience is getting bored, you know, from the, from the outset. Yeah. There's a rumor that there's a four hour cut of this film out there. And, um, who is it? Um, uh, Dino De Laurentiis's daughter, Raffaella, I think maybe. Um, so she introduced the deleted scenes and what she said, um, was that, yeah, they, they made a four hour cut like immediately after they'd finished principal photography, but they, this was just like all of the scenes that they had filmed and there are a lot of holes um, where the special effects were going to go. But what they quickly realized is that there's no way they were gonna be able to have a four hour movie. And so they started cutting out a lot of stuff. And But what they realized is it, the more stuff we cut out, the less the plot becomes understandable. And so David Lynch actually, he he, he reshot or he shot a new scene at least one new scene in an attempt to for, so this like maybe like this four minute scene presented the audience with information that covered like six or seven other scenes that they were able to cut out um and that's that's what made you know brought the film down to like two hours and 15 minutes just in terms of some of the you know the, the book versus movie comparison so one of the I, I can't remember in the book version what happens to Duncan Idaho. Is he does he also get killed when the Harkonnens attack the? Um, he he ends up res like saving them in the desert, and so like um, the doctor like set him up to go into the doc, um, uh, uh, what's the doctor's name? Lado? No. Huey. Huey. Who? Doctor Huey. Yeah, yeah, Huey. Huey. Why you? I, I, you never hear this sound so like you just read it you're like what was his name uh so the doctor like set the why guy yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> you just look at the name you're like what was the name and so he like set them up to get escaped on the helicopter and then uh idaho i met believe them. that's called the ornithopter well, the ornithopter i always call them <laughs> helicopters <laughs> <laughs> And so then he met them like out like when they um 
were escaping. He met them there, and then he died. He, he ended up dying in the like not in the immediate one, but I think after. Like he had let, helped them escape. He like he was the one who met them. Like they escaped with the ornithopter. They landed at some like rendezvous point. Duncan Idaho was there at that point, and then like he held off the Harkonnens attacking them at that point. And then yeah, because I was trying to as them. I was watching the movie, I was I was trying to th- you know catalog some of the the changes. And then the, the other one uh, I was wondering about the book is so. so what happened in Halleck, the movie? What was that? What, what happened in the movie with Idaho? You just don't know. Um, he gets killed. Uh, he is um, defending. He's defending Paul. Not not so much directly defending Paul, but he's basically fighting the Harkonnens when they invade. Uh, upon the first attack and he's has oh, a and shield and someone fires they fire a weapon at him that, that slowly drills into the shield and it drills into his head and it kills him so he's just kind of he's there for a second and then uh he's gone that's the one thing about this movie that, that i will say is maybe slightly frustrating is there are all these really interesting characters and you are interested in seeing where the relationship could go like stillgar right i think there could be lots of interesting stuff like the interaction oh, yeah. between like stillgar and paul and it's you you actually really get there's a lot of interest in that relationship in terms of, you know, when like Usul, we have worm sign the likes of which God has never seen and all that. Um, so that's kind of, if anything, when I watched it last night, it, it left me wanting more interaction between individual characters and it ideally more on the Fremen side of the story too, as opposed to spent, because I didn't realize watching it last night too. And, and I texted Colin again, an, an hour and 15 minutes to get to the desert. I was surprised by that. I would, I would have thought if you asked me how long they were in the, uh, you know the the front part of the movie before they got to the Fremen scene. I would have thought it was maybe thirty forty minutes. Yeah, it, it, it's really interesting. I, I re- realized when I watched it again, um, the second half of the film is they they just like run through it so quickly, and yeah. and and it really suffers because of that. Because you really, if you were seeing this for the first time, you would not buy the whole Fremen. You know, taking in Paul as their you know, leader and messiah. There's just, there's just no way. It, 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 right. it it's really clunky. Well, that's surprising because the book goes in. It's much, much deeper in the um, kind of the, the relationship with Stilgar and Paul, Stilgar and Jessica, and then just all of that is much bigger part of the book with a friend. Well, and, I, always and the book, it, I always read it as Freeman, anyways. <laughs> no, Fremen. So when when Paul and when they get to the desert, when Paul encounters the the Fremen. He, he actually has to, I mean, doesn't it go right into the knife fight? Like, isn't that basically, and then they, it's the fact soon. that he ends up, he ends up killing the guy and then he gets his weight in water and, and all that. Yeah, and exactly. then, and then, they take and then, and then the, he's the earned pond. some respect at that point. So they let him into the tribes. Is that how that works? Yeah. Well, they thought he was the Messiah. And then this guy's like, the fuck you are. Uh, I forgot his name's like Jason or something like that. It starts with a J. Let's just call him the J guy. Yeah. Yeah. So he challenges them and there's a, it's a pretty like elaborate duel and they're like concerned, like Jessica was concerned and like his mom was concerned and like, but it ended up being like, that's what ended up turning him to like, he ended up um, getting his wife and kids and he like, he kind of got indoctrinated, right? Because if you kill him in a battle, then he's responsible for the uh, wife and kids of the, of the person he killed. Yeah. Um, I know it's all the, all the Fremen mythology. It seems like there's, Such a rich tapestry there that can make for a really interesting movie. So I'm hoping with the with the remake that they, I don't think they there's go, enough. Time. They go into all that a little bit more detail. I, I'd imagine I, the remake I, they're gonna they're gonna go the opposite direction where they're gonna compress the front end somehow and then get into the desert stuff. Well, if you I, see the preview, I disagree. The preview shows like a huge like landing party and like the it seems like the preview has a lot of them like just landing on the initial uh, uh, with Lido and all the people. Uh, I. Um, Here's what I think. Um, it, so they're doing it as two movies. That, uh, I mean, they're guaranteed to be over two hours each, right? And I, I think the 
the midway point, right, between the stopping point between the first and second movies is going to be their escape into the desert, right? So the whole, I think film number two is going to be, you know, this, with being found by the Fremen or, yeah, or, I, or maybe I'd just forgotten. like starting with the Fremen, you know, and uh, I think that's a good way to, to do the movies because I really love the first half of, of Lynch's movie. I think it's really good, but because of that, you know, the, the second half, it, like I said, it just feels so rushed. Yeah. Well, the book rushes it too, though, in points. Like there's many points of like, they go draw out like the relationship in him joining the tribe and goes deep on that. But then I'll go like, oh, he has a son with uh, Shawnee and he's four years old now or whatever he was. And then well, the sister you know, like, it jumps at like, it does kids are jump very, me, not, kids are not interesting. Yeah. Actually, I think it was his sister, right? Alani. Aliyah. Alina. Alina. Alia. 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 Well, you know, we're, we're getting into some of the plot points. But do you want to, <laughs> should we rewind and talk about uh, the cast maybe or uh, Lynch? You want, we want anything you want to mention about Lynch specifically in terms of the Lynch isms in this movie, Colin? There, there was no cast in my book. Lynch isms. There's a lot of Lynch isms. I, I, there are. As I say, I thought what was interesting is I don't think the book, I don't think the plot overall is that complicated. Like if you like summarize, like there's these ruling families, like kingdoms. All right, this one kingdom's getting kicked out of this planet that's a rich, you know, for spice. This other planet's come, this other kingdom's taking it over. There's a double plot and they want to kill him off. The sun, like the overall, like the overall plot, the sun survives and has to come back and kill the other king. Like if you think of him as kings, it's a pretty basic. Yeah, it's a, it's a standard sort of, um, you know, kind of uprising um, yeah. rebellion like, so, tale. Yeah, so like that's why I think it's funny that the Lynch's movie is so confusing like that it's like i think you overly confuse the plots and i don't know like you can explain it in a few sentences it's like okay like it's not that complicated well it's hard to, i think there are concepts like the bene Gesserit, for example which is probably you know a little bit of a, a rough transition to the screen without any kind of understanding of what the actual mythology is behind it right and, yeah, and, the, and so much of the the stuff about that uh, makes the book so interesting is because there are a lot of these new concepts that you really need to have explained to you, even though there's like analogs in our world, if you didn't yeah. do it, you'd just be completely lost, which is why, you know, I actually like the narration at the beginning. I like all of the setup. Um, I find it to be really interesting. Uh, maybe it's, I, I didn't, I don't think it's too long. I think it's a little clunky in spots or at least in one but spot. That's in the books too, though, right? So it has a start of each chapter. They have a uh, a reading from some Mao Dib book Mwadib. or something or other. Mao Dib. I love. By the way, I love the way Everett McGill says his name. Mao Dib. What do you call the mouse shadow in the second moon? We call that one Mao Dib. Could I be known as Paul Mao Dib? You are Paul Mordeeb. <laughs> you <laughs> will be Mordeeb. You? Yes. Uh, Stilgar. Awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, but I do, I do think like that, that exposition is in the book too. In it, yeah, yeah. The, also, the, the inner dialogue, um, that's also in the book. And I think some people have criticized that. I, I like it. I think it works really well. I, I would agree that the one confusing part in the book is his like future seeing i forget what they call it time is like kind of time traveling and seeing different uh, outcomes and stuff oh you mean like the waking dreams or yeah so he has all these like uh he has the ability to see the future right so he yeah. has uh um i think that could have just been i 
Hobus, you should have uh, muted before you, before you walked off. <laughs> before you go berate people for talking. <laughs> I'm trying to do an effing podcast here. I'm podcasting here. <laughs> shut I shut the I up. up. <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. I thought I'd hit the mute button on that one. Okay. But I think uh, I think Herbert's book would have been stronger. I don't think they needed the kind of time, the future, um, the ability to see the future. I think it could have been fine without that and seeing all the different like aspects of the future and doing that. I think it just confused things and it wasn't a necessary plot point. And I think I can see like if you focused on that, that aspect of it, you can make the movie really confusing. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. So they don't really do the that in the movie. What they do okay. do is they they use like waking dreams to sort of you know talk about prophecy and his uh, like his abilities and and sort of expanded consciousness. It's prob but it's probably pretty confusing if you haven't seen if you've never either seen the movie before or like read the book. That was the only kind of confusing part in the book. Like the rest of it made somewhat sense. It does move, like it skips like large portions. Like the whole uprising, they just went from like, they started off and then they were like, you know, had the upper hand and they did miss like a huge, huge chunk. And then it, the end is the that kind of final battle with the Arconin. Yeah, when you keep reading that, like, if, uh, Marcus, do you, are you intending to go forward with the book series at all? I haven't decided. I, um, I really liked the book. I thought it was great. I don't know if I want more or not you guys have both don't, said like you said, like, don't, don't bother. bother yeah maybe yeah it sucks it sucks too because one. the the first book is so interesting and the mythology yeah. and the world building inside the book is pretty amazing and that's just what the i was saying like i really think they could do a, a long game of thrones style series about no. this whole world no 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 they could like they no. could like they can oh, I think they could. I, I, I'm, I'm with marcus on this one I think it's no totally i doable. no i think i think a 10 episode netflix series on the the book dune would be great i would love that but i just don't think you can go season by season because you're just gonna get you know uh, a bunch of it's just not gonna work uh you're gonna end up making up a bunch of new stuff that doesn't well like okay okay Here, here's what i'd say, writers, guess, what I'd say right? it'd be okay if you got really good writers who like loved the book right but hated the sequels and they decided like, okay, well, season one is gonna be Dune, the book, right? And season yeah. two, now they're gonna write their own like new stuff, which is like really interesting and doesn't follow the the, the sequels. sequels. That could be interesting. Or you could do like a with, or you could do a, like a whole series, do, do a series like that is within the Dune universe, but has nothing to do with like Paul. Maybe it take, takes place prior to Paul. That, that could be interesting as well. Only, though, if David Lynch did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, say, so let's, right. let's wrap back to that because the, so Lynch-isms. So the one thing, Marcus, when you watch this movie, because you actually should watch it eventually. It'd be interesting to get your perspective. But uh, this movie is definitely gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. The, everything that has to do with the Harkonnens. Is, is disgusting. Yeah, I love it. It's just it's so great. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I think it's, I've seen them. They like they have boils all over, and they're like super fat and right. Boils they're on their face. There's yeah, it's, it's they, like have, a, they have they have Raban at one point. And I think it's called a squeoid, but it's a little mouse in a 
container that he squishes and then he just drinks the juice. I mean, I always no said it reason. looked like I said it looked like mussels to me, but uh, <laughs> but still weird. Um, oh, like there were mussels inside, and then he was like That's... crushing the mussels. Pretty sure this wasn't in the book. These are all the sort of the Lynch things that I think of. But the they give, um, I think it's would they give a Thurfer, a Thurfer Hallwatt, uh a cat to milk? Did they do that in the book? I love that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So they, 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 introduce like a, a, they introduce a slow acting poison into his body, and then they they give him a cat oh, that he has to milk to get the antidote. Oh no, no, they they did do that, but they fed him the poison. Um, he didn't know he was poisoned, so they gave him a poison. And then they were giving him the antidote, like with his food. So while yeah. he was there, they were f- giving him a, an antidote, but he didn't know he was poisoned. And so then when he left, um... so there. To be clear, there is no cat milking in the book. No, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> Unless I missed that, which I think so I wouldn't. That, that's just a wonderful David Lynch thing. That well, and the and the last thing I, I mentioned this thing on the previous podcast, but the uh, in the movie Marcus, they have heart plugs that get installed if you're a Harkonnen. And it's a little external valve, and then if somebody wants to go up and just rip the valve out so you bleed out, uh, they they have that. That that, that happens on it, several occasions. It seems like a uh, a flaw. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you have someone who can just pull, pull a plug in. You're like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> well, here, here, so here's my take on like uh, Gidi Prime, which is the 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 home planet of the of House Harkonnen. Um, in David Lynch's version, it, at least, um, it's sort of like a chemical plant at a baby with an abandoned mental hospital. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that. Like, I, I imagine them to be more like um, like overweight kings that just like grew to be like so large that they needed suspender like suspensors to like carry them. But I didn't imagine them to be as quite as hideous, I guess. Well, so Colin, what are your? I mean, in terms of the Lynch, anything else you want to say about Lynch in terms of? as a director for this film or his touches or just because I'm not even sure what, what his own opinion of this movie is. Do you know? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think he, I think he said he's done enough. Like there's no way he's coming back and doing a different director's cut and things like that. He's like, I've, I'm done with Dune. Like I did my thing and now I'm moving yeah. on to something else. So it wasn't necessarily like he doesn't have bad feelings about it. Just not something he's going to circle back to. Um, how yeah. about the cast? So, just anybody you want to talk about in terms of because this this cast is pretty impressive. I mean, just in terms of there are a ton of uh, you know kind of character actors or maybe the the fact that we maybe we can start with Kyle MacLachlan because the fact that it's his first starring role and they're like, hey, hey, dude, off the street, you want want to do some acting? You want to play uh, a messiah and and anchor <laughs> a you know t- a forty five million dollar tentpole sci fi uh, epic. Sure, why not? Yeah, but I, I think he pulls it off great. Uh, Kyle MacLachlan in this movie, I think, is very impressive. I think he makes a great Paul. Agreed, totally, hundred <laughs> percent. What is what is it you like about his performance, Colin? <laughs> I just love Kyle MacLachlan. I mean, he 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 comes off as completely believable. Um, he's also you you're sort of like on his side from the from the get go. I mean, you know, his character is he's really intelligent um, and he's quite talented, and athletic. Um, um, but he's, he's extremely likable. And that's the whole thing. That's why I've always liked um, Kyle McLaughlin is because he comes off as extremely likable. So he plays him like throughout? Like, do they age him through the movie? Because he starts at 15. <laughs> yeah, in, in not, the book he's more... This is not played like, by a 15-year-old, no. No, in, no in, the book, in the book you get the sense that he's more of a maybe early 20s. And uh, I'd, say, just, I'd it, say like more like 18 or 19 is what, he, what they're going for. He looks okay. early 20s. But, but, he, but he, yeah, he looks early 20s. Yeah. So the, like it looks like in the new 
movie, they're playing him a little bit younger, right? The character that in yeah. it all. Yeah. And, and in the book, he's, was it 15 or 16? I forget when he he's starts. 15 uh, when it starts. But he, okay. he, like, they do, like, because I think he's in the desert for a few years. So, like, the end battle, like, the his, his sister is, like, four. She's supposed to be four. Yeah. Yeah. At the end battle. So, he's, he's definitely 19 at the, at yeah. the end. They do, they so. do that in the, in the film as well. They, they, like, okay. They have what I think is a pretty bad montage of, <laughs> of, of the Fremen fighting the Harkonnens. I think, yeah, I think you actually sent us out. <laughs> that was that uh, was the clip I sent out last clip night. That you with, sent uh, out, yeah, with, with, with like the you know it's the it's a combination of or, soaring orchestral music with some back back uh, backed by some electric guitar. The, and, yeah, uh, I, can we talk about some, that for a sec? Well, let's. You, you, what do you want to do? Do you want to just go through the film kind of in sections, and we can talk about things along the way, or you want to just do it totally random? Totally random. So the I love the prophecy thing, Brian. You know, um, he, he did the prophecy. Prophecy theme. I think it's great. It's it really sets the tone for the movie. Um, and but then you've got Toto, the band Toto, who <laughs> <laughs> got the dog. Who did the yeah, did the rest of the uh, the score, and I feel like. Um, the, it's, the score is, is fine for the first like uh, half of the movie, but then when we get into the Fremen and everything, you hear a lot more electric guitar. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't think it works at all. The, I, I will say that to me, the ultimate version of that is where Paul has his writing his sandworm He's test. Writing this, yeah. Yeah. And and he goes out there and, and he jumps on the top and it's a combination of soaring orchestral with some electric guitar in the back and he's just like yeah I'm a badass I got this big old yeah. worm I'm driving <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, just, it's just it's 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 a little bit of it's I upon rewatch the there were a few moments of this movie that landed a little bit harder than uh, than I recall <laughs> so yeah. it's still like it a lot it, but it's it just it it does the the other thing that really jumps to mind for me is the scene where Paul is falling off the side of the mountain in the desert. And it, it cuts to that one shot where he's just in the air oh. like this, and then there's the there's the yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm going like you're gonna die. Yeah, like, there's no way you're surviving this. It's like he, he's gonna hit terminal velocity before he hits the ground, <laughs> but somehow he survives no problem. It's pretty funny. Uh, That's not a good scene. I I really like Brad Dourif as uh, Peter Devries, the uh, Harkonnens mentat. I think he. Yeah. He's like perfectly, and this is where it's I think a great casting by Lynch. He's he's very odd. His the way he speaks, I love. I don't know if this is in the movie or not, but the 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 uh, the Mentats um, uh, very old man eyebrows. <laughs> They're like <laughs> about five six inches long. Maybe it, maybe it was in the book, um, but I thought it was a great great choice. Yeah, so stained lips, red stained lips, and monstrous eyebrows. Yeah, right. Uh, so yeah, I'm loving. I'm not, loving. Not Brad mentioned Dourif. in the book. <laughs> okay. All right. So All right. well, I'm loving Brad Dourif in this. Yeah, I think I think he was great. Does actually lead to an unanswered question, unanswerable yeah. question though, which is why does Mentat training make your eyebrows grow so much? <laughs> Dave, who else do you like in the cast? I was surprised oh, I like- that uh, Patrick Stewart was a Gurney Halleck. I'm looking at the uh, list now. Yeah, Patrick Stewart as Gurney is great. I was going to ask, that's another question I had about the book, which is Gurney, so in the movie, Marcus, the so um, once the Fremen start attacking the spice mining, two or three years into it, they come across a group of smugglers 
and they go to attack it and gurney halleck is one of the smugglers and he ends up that's how he ends up reconnecting with paul is that that same book same in the book same thing okay here's what is not the same i specifically remember from the book that that gurney halleck had like i think it was like tons of scars on his face and was, was really not a good looking guy Patrick Stewart does not have that. He is, he is at one point rocking a little bit of a mullet, though. Yeah, I don't think they had barbers uh, on the smugglers' crew. He was no. <laughs> major mullet. Yeah, Patrick Stewart with a mullet, if you can imagine that. So. Did he try to kill Jessica though? Like he so that was still set up. Like we connected. Yeah. No. No. Oh, okay. Like he thought she was the uh, conspirator, who's the one who gave him up. And oh. so when he reconnected oh. with them in the desert as a smuggler, he goes to like he uh, he comes in, he sets up, he almost tries, he almost kills her. He has like two knife point, and then he just wanted to uh, he, he wanted his uh, Paul to see for some reason or something like that, so Paul would know his his mom was the uh, uh, the traitor, and so then Paul was able to like calm him down. Well, maybe they, he still to... stayed. He still stayed with them the whole time. So like, no, no, you've been with us for so long. We trust you. Like. You just you were doing it out of love for the uh, Atreides, so they didn't like banish him or anything like that. But it was like a it was a good, I'd say scene, but it was a good like intense moment. Like, okay, is he gonna poor Lady Jessica's met her end? Well, and the I so Paul's mom in this, uh, so Francesca Annis, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, she's she's really good. I mean, she she carries the you know sort of the regalness really well. She's you know very she's. Strikingly attractive in this movie, I think she has a, she has a great look going, and um, the they make her very you know it's kind of fun that she has the power of the the voice and all that, and she ends up um, was it she grabs Stilgar right? That's how she ends up uh, earning the respect of the Fremen. So she subdues Stilgar. She has the weirding ways. She has the weirding way. <laughs> yeah, actually, maybe that's another question, Marcus. <laughs> the yeah. the the sound. Do they use um, sound devices to attack in this? Because I, I don't recall that from the book. Yeah, yeah, they have the weirding modules. In the book, they do. Yeah, don't they? Uh, I, I thought I thought there was something. Marcus, I thought Emma, I thought they. I thought, I thought I thought it wasn't a module though. I thought it was actually a skill was, that they developed. Yeah, I thought it was like uh, they would they train. I thought I imagine it as a combat thing, like a okay, like maybe then I'm fighting. It's been like over twenty years since yeah. I read the book. Yeah. So there are no weirding modules. That doesn't so in, in, in the movie no. in the movie they, Marcus, they, they, they talk about like, like weirding trading training. Uh-huh. And the Chris yeah. the Chris knife and okay. that stuff. Yeah. Okay. They have the Chris knife? They they show Paul at one point with the Chris knife, but they never reference, you know, what it is that it's a sandworm's tooth and all that. Um so at one point he just has that as a blade. Yeah, oh, they okay. totally well, cut that out of the this version. You, you know, oh, that's, you know a, like that. a, that's a very significant, like throughout the, the book, the Chris knife, it's like, because uh, then Jessica gets one at the very beginning, um, right. her like maid, I forget her name, uh, Modat something or other. The shot out Mapes? Uh, what's that? The shot yeah, out Mapes? Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Because um, she gives, she sneaks her a knife and then uh, she's able to use a knife and like once a knife's like unshielded unsheathed it has to be like draw blood or something and also right. they have the whole uh, mythology around the knife and use yeah. engine that, that's one of the deleted scenes and uh, yeah that's what i'm saying i think that I, I think you need a series i think you need like you can go deep on it i don't know if it'd do well because if you're, you're going to the mythology it'd have to be done really well like i can see like a sci-fi channel did you said there was a uh, mini series at some point right yeah sci-fi did a yeah. mini series i want to say it was maybe 2000 or i think yeah 
I can see I, it going I, back. I, I, I think it was pretty good. It was, it was, you know, lower budget, but when I watched it, I was, uh, I recall being impressed with it. And then they made a sequel. I think they did Children of Dune as well, uh, which I never watched. It was like so much mythology and that kind of world building and like different houses and all the different things going on too. Like there's definitely like, they didn't recover any of the other, even in the book that I recover like so much of what they've alluded to. Well, maybe we can just talk about uh, just, you know, major scenes of the movie, just things we liked or um, didn't like or things that caught our... Um, Linda Hunt attention. played shout out Napes. Yeah, Linda Hunt. Yeah, she's good too. She's actually Way really to go, good. Linda. Uh, small part, but she's good. Uh, she, okay, all our parts are small. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there are no small parts, Dave, only right. small people. Dave, Sorry, Linda. Dave, what, do you, what did you we think of you. the? What did you think of the scene with the Reverend Mother, uh, Gaius Helen Mohayim, and uh, and Paul with the box? What, what's the name of the box? I forget the, the, the box of pain, but I forget what it's called. I don't think it has a name. Pain it box doesn't have a name. I, yeah. Think it's, yeah, I don't think so. Box of pain. Yeah, so, so he sticks his hand in there, it, and uh, you know the the Reverend Mother has the gom jabar at his neck. Beth. Now the itching becomes burning. Heat upon heat upon heat. Silence! Silence! I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is a little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. I must not fear flesh. I think that's a pretty effective scene. I like it. And I, the, the, one, the one thing that I was wondering, though, when I was watching the movie, is they don't really set up as to why he's going to be tested unless they're just looping it to the guild navigator, right? That they, the Bene Gesserit, you know, she somehow picked up on the fact that they want Paul dead. So then right. they, said, they said they have to take a closer look at Paul. No, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's like who, funny. Who, are, who, are the, who are the Bene Gesserit supporting here? Like, wh- what is themselves. They have a master plan. Yeah, they have a plan. So they're trying to, they're trying to breed through the Kwisatz Haderach. Yeah, the Kwisatz Haderach, and they're like through like ninety generations of, of yeah. uh, crossbreeding amongst the like these royal families, <clears throat> and the great houses, and um, but they once they, you know, do breed him, then they want to control him. Yeah. Um, well, so actually, is that, is that what it is? He wasn't so they, supposed they, to they be. They assume that they're gonna. They assume that they're going to be able to manipulate him is that what it is right okay but also the jessica i don't know how much they went into this in the uh, movie but jessica was supposed to have a girl right like no they did some other they did okay yeah yeah. Yeah. so So they can control what they're gonna have i don't get that yeah she gives so that so so jessica it received that's on on the opening part of the movie too she gets chastised because she chose to bear leto a son versus uh, having a daughter but then she has the unborn you know fetus in her body somehow constantly yeah. Um, pick, pick a nits here. Um, you would have thought, because it almost sounds like um, the Reverend Mother just found out that she had a son. 
Um, while he's like, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, I uh, think she would have known this before. Yeah, she should have known. Like in the book, they know. I mean, like in the test, they just say she's testing that he's human. And like it seemed like it was more of a qualification versus like it was like their own qualification of what human means versus. Right. Because it was the, the way they described it. Like it the movie, level. It's, you know, that, that inst- instinct will force you to would want you to pull your hand out of the box. And so you have to fight against that instinct. And that's what proves yeah. that you are a human. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, just from the perspective that um, the Bene Gesserit, you know, they have this very, very, you know, intricate plan on how to uh, breed the um, Kwisatz Haderach. And, and so she's supposed to have a daughter because that daughter is then going to be wed to a Harkonnen a male heir. And I, I think with the assumption that that would be the Kwisatz Haderach, like the culmination of their years and years of, of planning. But, but what, what are they? I mean, the, the uh, way that we is, find out, at, they the way we find out about that, you know, through exposition, it seems like she, the Reverend Mother's just finding out that she had a daughter. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm taking it the wrong way. And she's just did they yeah, cover that bringing up old the, dirt? They cover that Jessica is actually a Harkonnen. No, they do not. Okay, because she's actually the daughter of the Baron. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. So she's the daughter of the Baron. That's why I was wondering, like, why would they want her to? <clears throat> I think they did want the because the, the Baron had another son. He was one ruling Raban. Was that his name? Yeah, right. Um, he's Raban. one ruling um, Arrakis. Arrakis, and I think that was who they thought could have been the other Quizat Hadrak. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Raban <laughs> is definitely not the Quizat Hadrak. Doesn't pass that, the sniff test on, on the screen a, at least. Yeah, I think that's what their initial they were thinking that he could be um, in the like the line. But yeah, no, they, which didn't make sense why they wanted her to have a daughter because she was a Harkonnen already, and then that daughter would also marry a Harkonnen. So it was a little oh, confusing no, that part. So I have another question. Then. So what is the so if if Jessica is the daughter of the Baron, and that did not seal the rift between the Atreides and the Harkonnen, what's the backstory of why they hate each other so much in the book? I forgot. So, I, I don't think Leto knew that she was a Harkonnen. Like, I think there was, um, she was more like an orphan who was found and then taken in by the Benjeret, Jezret. Um, and so I don't think he knew that she was actually a Harkonnen. I think that was like one of the reveals in the book. Like, you didn't know it until like pretty late in the book that hmm. they actually had that. That makes sense. Yeah. They're not going to tell, they're not going to tell Leto that, that she's a Harkonnen. Yeah. But that's yeah, part, I mean, part of their plan. I don't even know if Jessica knew. Maybe Jessica knew after she like drank the water or something like that. I forget when she found out too. I think she might not even have known, and she pieced it together at some point. But yeah, the 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 power structure uh, of everything in this universe is is very confusing, and it can be it's certainly confusing in the the film uh, version of it for sure. Uh, I'm, I don't I, maybe the book is again. I probably need to go back and reread it. But the like the space guild they can fold. Uh, or the the guild navigators can fold space, right? So that gives them obviously a certain power and advantage in terms of being able to manage transportation. Well, they're the, the only ones in the universe who can who can who can provide space travel, right? Yeah. But at the end of the movie, they're actually straight up threatening the emperor, right? So yeah. so they basically tell him that he has to go clean up his shit on Arrakis, otherwise, uh, you know, they're going to I think install another house or something there. But right. So so within the power structure, it seems like the the guild would be at the top. Right, more more uh, important than the than the imperial structure underneath it, or basically they just have a commodity it, it, on space it, travel. It, it, they can it's they can like, wield. It's like both. 
It's like both, right? Because the emperors, like, like if you look at it logically, it's like the um, the emperors at the top, and the house is all kind of he represents them, and the guild is kind of like off to the side of that royal structure, and it's like a, a corporation that's running the. Uh, I, I I think of it as like the military industrial complex within the United States. You know, it's like yeah. the power behind the power. You know, there's always other types of power lurking off, you know, behind the scenes. And there is a delicate balance between them. But yeah, if push came to shove, um, like this ability that they have uh, forces, gives them uh, a huge amount of power to wield. And so they could conceivably arrange for, you know, his death and for some other um, house to take power. Yeah. Uh, which is you know, but it's which is essentially what he is doing to start the movie is you know the the trade house of trade is coming becoming too powerful, and so he arranges for them to um basically be destroyed by the harkonnens yeah, so the emperor i mean his his desire is to kill off Leto because he thinks Leto is a potential threat and a successor right to his yeah. position basically right uh, but then the 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 guild they want Paul killed because they can somehow sense that he is going to be potentially disruptive to the spice production right because but i'm they, not sure i'm not sure i'm not sure how they put that together so that's that's my well question. it's because I, of he, the, their relationship to the spice like they 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 have uh what do they say they uh, had been um over four thousand years of using the spice you know they've right. like mutated they're, they're on a totally different they're, level they're of consciousness yeah. and right. so they can sense these things they they have the power as well to sort of see into the future and i don't think they can see exactly but they know that paul is going to be a problem because he is well paul also threatens he says he has there's a way that you can destroy all spice production by i think i forget how he said it there's some way to do it it was a little confusing like oh yeah you, you, it, it creates some sort of like a, a cascade event like across the planet or whatever and it would destroy the spice i think right, right. There's some yeah exactly so paul was using that to threaten the guild and the emperor when he when he gets to power, obviously, but I, I'm just wondering how you know how they put it together that because in the movie the guild straight up asked the emperor to kill Paul to have kill, Paul killed, and the emperor himself yeah. is confused by that. He says, "You mean Duke Leto, right?" And they say, "No, I want Paul dead." I don't remember. I, I don't remember that. Either. I don't think that was in the book. This did not happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I happen to like that scene, by the way, even though I don't really like uh, Jose Ferrar's performance. But I like that scene because it really sets it up I, the, the, with the the um, the costume design and and everything. It's it's really kind of cool. Um, oh, the production! But, I mean, the, the the set design and all that is really cool. And what's what's funny about that scene too is I was you know trying to look at okay, watch it for the first time, and you you walk in there and there's a group of people. And they're all standing there, and they have these black, you know, outfits on, kind of cool-looking costumes. There's one guy off to the right side who's sweeping. Yeah, <laughs> it's like what. And by the and way, when, yeah, because all, I don't know what whatever material it is that they're using. I think it's maybe like Vaseline to to slide the guild navigator in and out. But yeah, he's like vacuuming up. So then when they leave, you see him there vacuuming the shit up. Yeah, it's I'm just like, a weird I'm like, touch. I'm like. Dude, you didn't do a very good job because there's still like tons of this stuff on the ground. You need to put out one of those one of those uh, folding, you know, yellow signs that says "wet floor." <laughs> <Yeah. so> that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would have been great. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that so that whole the the opening is is interesting in terms of setting up the fact that they want Paul dead, and then the I do like the 
them when they leave Caledon, the the scope of the ships, and you, you see how the ships you know pile in this big container, and then they do yeah. the space folding, and so all that in terms of the ship design for the ship that the Atreides are loading all their troops on, and the you know kind of the container that they use to fold space is all is all pretty cool looking. The the folding space scene itself though is pretty like if you if somebody dropped acid and then you you put that on in front of them, it might scare <laughs> the crap out of them because. <laughs> You have no idea what's going on. I mean, the the the, cre- the you know the, the creatures have a very vaginal looking mouth for one thing, right? And then they're like shooting. I was shooting, going to. I was going to mention that. But and they're I shooting like light out of their mouth, and it's like one planet's forming, and you have no idea what the fuck's going on. And it's I like you know you got people that are floating great distances, and I'm not sure if it's supposed to be like on a different plane of existence or what, but it's it's pretty weird. It, it is pretty weird. I I sort of got what was going on there. It's sort of like um, oh like. Uh, Here's the here's the here's our origin and here's our destination in you know, these two planets. But that, then it's like I don't know what's going on there. Right. But I will say this: it's very David Lynchian um, because he, he there are other you know whether it's like uh, Twin Peaks or or something else uh, where there are these sort of dream sequences. Um, he does there are some of the same elements, and so I'm going like, oh yeah, that's that's all David Lynch right there. And and there's little uh, also little David Lynch's touches across the movie. Like randomly, there's one guy who's standing in a group of people that has a metal nose. Oh yeah, yeah. The, so the look of the um, I, I guess it's the emperor's like uh, war cabinet, like his generals. Um, very, they they look like they stepped out of like uh, some French fantasy science fiction movie. It's <laughs> it's just there's a he he's like and they're like like. Weird looking I think I guys. Saw your like, hunter from the hunter from the future just in the back corner and he was just hanging out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's they're just like odd looking people. Uh I especially love how at the the end when when the uh, the Fremen are attacking with their sandworms and um the the Emperor, you know, they, they go on the defensive and the Emperor and his generals all jump on this like defensive carousel like command unit that's like sort of like turning like a like a merry-go-round oh, and they're and they're and it's like what are they doing are they like are they actually manning the guns or are they like you know like commanding and all i can see is that they're looking into like a like a scope that looks like a like a, a heater grate <laughs> <laughs> There's like I, well, so you know i i took a picture of that and i was going to text it to you uh, but then i just wanted to I wanted to save it for the podcast because I was with the, the caption I was going to put in the text was, "This is no time for video games, Emperor." That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally right. <laughs> because it's like they're under attack and like all yeah. And then what is the point of that thing spinning as they're sitting on it? Like how? I mean, no it would idea. be a little bit disorienting. So it's very yeah. So Marcus, it, you'll appreciate that when you see it. And why? Why is it that like the uh, the top generals are are doing this? And the emperor. It's like the emperor is like we're under attack. It's like it's like I better go man the guns. <laughs> Don't you have people for that? I love Sean Phillips in this movie I, as, as the Reverend Mother. She is so great. I love her voice. Uh, I think every scene she's in is wonderful. I especially love, you know, the scene with um, testing Paul with the box. Um, but, oh, man, she's so good. Do you think they really shaved their heads for the part? Uh, I don't know. And why I, did they, I, why I never really it? thought about it. Speaking of the uh, speaking of the haircuts, why do the Harkonnens have the nohawk? Oh, I, fucking, I love it. I love the it. The nohawk. So all the Harkonnen, lots of the Harkonnen guys are, are just rocking a what appears to be a, a single you know single razor run right down the center of your it's, head. It's it's like they all were dared 
you know, like, hey, I'll give you 10 bucks if I can raise, you know, use the razor on your head. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, well, this is this is like, you know, the Harkonnens and, and Giddy Prime. This is how fucked up things are on Giddy Prime. Like, apparently that's a good look. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know why they're like special forces are dressed up like um, the machine from 8mm or like the gimp from Pulp Fiction. But yeah. And how how warm would those outfits be? Oh. Imagine running around on Arrakis uh, where you have what appears to be a hazmat suit on. The hazmat suits are great. I think those are the Sardaukar terror troops. The Sardaukar? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know what's going on inside. There's some strange, like, green light. <laughs> Maybe it's a control panel or something. Yeah, I don't so know. But... There's something, something is backlit in there. There, might, it, there must be a HUD. I, I will say this, though. If you, if you, you know, if I knew nothing about this world and it was like, okay, you got your Harkonnen regular army versus like the Atreides regular army. My money's on the Harkonnens. Yeah, the Harkonnens they look like badasses and the, the Atreides look like the French Foreign Legion. The, the one thing about this movie that doesn't work when, when it comes to the combat, though, is the physical fighting. You know, I, I don't, I don't, there's a lot of scenes where it appears that the Harkonnens are jumping off trampolines only to be flipped in midair by the Fremen. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell, like, what is going on? Is, is, there a, is there a Harkonnen fighting style that involves like, you know, somebody runs up and deploys the trampoline and then somebody, a third guy runs and jumps on it in the air? Like, I don't, it's really weird looking. Like the, 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 if you won't even call it fight choreography, not, I mean, the, the end fight between um, Paul and, uh, fade is, is actually okay but the the running around the desert scene where they're taking down the spice production a, a lot of that is not good i no. mean in terms of the, the the look of it no no it's not uh, i mean yeah. it's cool it's cool to see the the fremen using the weirding modules um but yeah definitely um the the mass fighting scenes are not well choreographed right that's uh, where I think there's a, there's a big opportunity for the remake. No, I, I, that's, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. What what do you think about Fade and Sting's performance? I actually kind of like it. You know, it's a it's uh, there's not he's not given much to do honestly because yeah. they 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 hint at the fact that they just want him to be a really good looking guy and they they also hint that they want you to believe that the Baron has some sort of a fascination there. But he doesn't. It's. It, I actually. Uh, that was the other thing. Maybe when I was watching it, the he is a very inconsequential character overall in the movie. Yeah, and I wish that Marcus was here because I want to ask him more about Fade's role in the book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. He he has nothing. I mean, he he's there to look good, and then ultimately, you know, he fights um, Paul and <laughs> loses horribly. Um, but I like his. I just like what he brings to that role. I like uh, his energy. The energy that he energy. brings during the fight he jump, scene is he's fun. He's jumping around. He's like, "I will kill him. I yeah, will." Like, he has a little, he, like stuff. this crazed mania kind of thing, and 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 he's confident in his abilities. You can tell. Like he thinks yeah. he actually is going to win. Yeah, but he's definitely like the counterpart to Raban, who's who's big, disgusting, disgusting, quiet, doesn't really talk much. No, um, but for some reason, um, you know. Is is I think maybe he's like older, the older nephew. Um, but yeah, and Sting Sting looks good coming out of the sauna, but he just sits there. He doesn't have he's got no dialogue other than like this maniacal look on his face, which is that cod piece good. though doesn't look terribly comfortable. No, it does not. No, no. no. Uh, what what do you think about Dean Stockwell as uh, Doctor Yui? 
I think he's really good. I I did have a question on this one, and maybe this is I know Marcus is back here, so we can maybe ask him uh, the question. Maybe, yeah, let's, let's let's ask him. So so I was confused as to so so they note on um, so Dr. Huey that he has the imperial conditioning, which is you know a, t- a tattoo that's on the forehead in the shape of a diamond. Yeah, um, I, I believe in, to indicate you know loyalty or having been trained. They don't really explain in the movie, though, why Huey turns against the Atreides, other than he's trying to kill Baron Harkonnen, that you get that because he ends up giving Duke Leto a poison tooth to blow in the Baron's face. But you never really understand why, what, like, what they have on Huey. Like, they mention his, I, I assume it's his wife. It was his wife. Huey. What, Huey? Huey. 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 Um, Huey. Yeah, his wife. So his wife was um, like tortured and killed. But I think she was like even being kept alive and tortured in like the uh, prisons by um, by the by a uh, Baron. Was it so, recently or was it like some? No, some she, no she was because I think she was still alive in the book, and I think he was able to. Is that I, how they think, got him to to be a, a traitor? Is like we have your wife and you're going to do this for us? No, no, he his his whole plan was to kill the Baron. So he he was like uh, he wasn't. Really, betraying. no, no. I know his plan was to kill the, the Baron, but I, what no, I'm but he wasn't is... betraying Leto. His plan was to, like, that's why he was able to break his oath because he's supposed to be the, you know, he's not supposed to be able to be unfaithful. But he wasn't being in his mind. He wasn't being unfaithful because he wasn't really betraying the the Leto because oh, oh. he was still killing the the Baron. So he didn't and, break. They didn't break his his imperial training no because he was he wanted to do it the baron he was doing which, he, he was he was using his imperial training via technicality yeah, like. technicality. yeah. by the way um <clears throat> if you if you um if you're able to accomplish your plan of killing the baron by at the same time completely destroying house atreides maybe not come maybe you should come up with another plan yeah they yeah, does seem- sound kind of it does sound a little bizarre, honestly. <laughs> I mean, but his, was, his main was, goal was to kill the uh, to kill the Baron. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think the book explains it a lot better because it did. I, have, that was one of my nitpicks in the movie. Was like, man, that's a stretch. Yeah. It well, cause, and you sort of figure because in the in the movie, Marcus, the at the end, they uh, he's just stabbed in the back by uh, by Peter, right? The the Mentat for yeah, yeah, the Harkonnen. Yeah, that's, that's what happens. That's he dies. Like he dies pretty like it wasn't like his plan wasn't to kill him himself. His plan was to get Leto to do it with the uh, poison in the tooth. So take down the entire Atreides family just to get the Baron. Yeah, he 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 really hated him. And then fail miserably. Yeah. And the, the other it, thing that doesn't make it was sense close. Is it was wa- like the uh, like I don't know what happened in the in the movie, but like uh, he kill he ends up killing uh, what's the guy Peter dude. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he blows yeah. it in his face. He was like, he because the 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 Duke was like sort of half conscious, and he thought yeah. that the Baron was talking to him because he had been talking to him a few minutes earlier, and then he blows it in Piter's face. And yeah, it was a good plan. Yeah. It bye bye, Brad. Yeah, it almost worked. Got <laughs> to get a new mentat. And the, okay, another another question. This is just a weird rambling conversation, but that's okay. Um, so the we'll, so we'll call the it book, a podcast. <laughs> yeah. In the book, um, the the Harkonnen, they're actually the ones that take Jessica and Paul out. And the idea is that the excuse they, they leave is that they're going to drop them in the desert someplace and that a worm will eat them and then that it will destroy the evidence. But if the Harkonnens so blatantly are just attacking Arrakis and everybody knows that they're attacking Arrakis, 
isn't it a given that if Paul and Jessica are gone, that it was probably the Harkonnens that did it? So I'm a little bit confused as to why the... Yeah. Um, so first of all, you know, obviously it doesn't make any sense that the Harkonnens wouldn't just kill him outright, right? So then they, they set up the situation to get Paul to the desert. But it sounds like what you're saying in the book is that the Atreides themselves, uh, they initiate the escape, right? It's, it's not Har- yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. the Harkonnens or the Atreides that take them to the, to the desert? The Dr. Yui, it's, I recall, it was at the beginning of the book, so or towards the beginning. I, Dr. Yui set him up with a way to escape with an ornithopter to fly to the desert. And then that's where he met Idaho. And then there, I think Idaho was going to help him. I don't know what their initial plan. I think they wanted to go deeper into the desert and connect up with the Freeman. Um, Fremen. Um, Doesn't Duncan Idaho survive in the book, by the way? No. No, he said he, he, he died. He died. Yeah, he dies. Oh, wait. No, who's, who, who's somebody on the sequel that goes to Ix? There's somebody that travels to Gurney? the planet Ix. Well, Gurney survives. Part, obviously, but... Oh, no. Is it Gurney? I can't remember. Colin, you read the, you read the sequels, right? I, oh, yeah, I haven't read the like sequels. 30 years ago, so I don't remember. Yeah, yeah okay. Never mind. But, uh, All right, moving on. No, but I don't think... I forget what they... They did have a plan, and they were going to... I think they did have a weird plan about, like, um, not killing them because it would have looked bad to the other houses or there's like all sorts of different um like the overall plan of Harkonnen's like leaving just to come back and kill him seemed like a bizarre like like I, I think that, that in and of itself looks pretty bad to the other houses yeah like I don't know like it, oh, then maybe it's maybe it's because um you know you can be you know warring between other houses but um it's it's uncouth to uh, outright like murder or assassinate the, the heads of the those yeah. houses. I think that's to some degree. I think also like the um, their plan. I think also got this. I think their plan was just to make the Atreides like horrible at spice mining, and the other houses would say no, 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 bring the Harkonnens back, and they would be able to like be more justified in um, in like taking them out. Yeah, and the whole thing seemed a little weak. I will say I do like the ornithopter sequence in the movie when they're so they're because they're flying. They have Paul and they have Jessica and she's gagged. And uh, so and that's where Paul actually tries the voice, which is interesting because they don't there's nothing that is set up in the movie in terms of his ability to uh, to use the voice. Yeah. Right. I think that. Yeah. No, because that's like the, his first, his first uh, attempt. Time doing it. Yeah. But you do know what the voice is because the Reverend Mother used it on her or on him. Yeah. Right. In the test. Jessica yeah. used it. Some did they do any of like Paul's training like with uh, before that or no? With um, he trains with Gurney yeah. Halleck and they show yeah. they show him using the weirding module like fighting a um, uh, a sentry a fighter robot kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. What, what did you think yeah. of that fighter? I did thought they it was use very, shields like, in the, the yeah they use, yeah they have shields. Okay. They use shields. Yeah. Yeah. What did you uh, think? Of, so two questions uh, for Dave. What did you think of the shields and what did you think of the fighter? Yeah, interesting because both those were the the shields were a little bit more clunky than I remember in terms of their look, you know, just because of the the sheer boxiness of the whole thing. They're very sort of like uh, 1980s or early 80s uh, video games, computer, yeah, computer generated graphic. Yeah, it's like you. It's like yeah. you took the um, what was the name of that game where you used to like walk the dude around Berserk, I think. I think it was Berserk, right? It's like the Berserk. You be, everybody comes the Berserk Atari figure when you activate your shield. That's what you right. look like. Yeah, or, or maybe just flashing back the, and forth. The, sort of like a block. Yeah, actually, you know, you know what they look like they look like Minecraft characters. That's what they look like. <laughs> so that's that's a there's a more modern reference for you. Have you seen um, the preview for the uh, new one? 
because you can definitely see uh, the shields in action there. Like you see, like yeah, more of the, shimmering. the shields are a lot. They're a lot. They're a lot thinner though, and these are these are very like big and blocky. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. and then the hunter or uh, what's it called? The fighter. The fighter. Yeah, hunter. Uh, that whole sequence, I think, is 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 a, is a little goofy, right? It, it's just it, it, it is. I I don't really like it all that much. Um, no, it has the it has a little bit of a like, like it made me think of. Um, like the six million dollar man type thing like where he <laughs> yeah. bought that probe like where it would like things right. would stick out no, exactly stuff. yeah it, it doesn't it doesn't look terribly threatening no so. and, the, and the fighter itself is sort of like steampunky and yeah i just i never could really care for that scene yeah so in the movie they do obviously make it out to the desert as they do in the book um and that's where you know, Colin, you can talk about this a little bit, but it is interesting because they they wrap up the rest of the movie in about an hour or so, fifty minutes, and it's interesting because it, it goes from. Well, let me say this: so so they crash land and they have to get to a, a, a sequence of rock, and I I will say that the look of the desert and some of the technology that they start talking about. So, for example, having a thumper to drive, you know, to to draw a worm towards you. I think that's really cool. Yep. I actually think the I think the the look of the worm itself in this movie and the scale that they show the worm, even though there's a little bit of the, you know, the, there is some green screen clunkiness with some of the, you know, the overlays when they're showing it, but like when they're inside the the rocks and they have the worm on the outside trying to, you know, bust in on them. But, but that whole sequence, I think, is pretty cool. And I think the look of it is, uh, it's like one of my favorite parts of the movie, actually. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the still suits are uh, pretty amazing. The thumpers are very cool. The worms, yeah, I, I don't know. I think somebody had a comment that they didn't like the look of the worms in the in the upcoming movie. Um, I don't really recall seeing that in the trailer, but I, I prefer um, to call I, them, I love, I, I prefer I, to call them the makers and not the worms. Oh, uh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love the sandworms. Uh, what else do you want me to say? You know, I think the slightly longer version works better because he does have the knife fight, you know, against the. Oh yeah, no, it, the, the it definitely dude. it suffers by not having that because it, in the in the movie, Marcus, what happens is they show up, they climb to in, to the top of this rock formation, they meet the Fremen, uh, Jessica subdues Stilgar, and then basically they say we'll we'll train you and then it, it almost cuts immediately to like all of a sudden paul is standing in front of thousands of fremen and he's proclaiming that he's going to teach them so i guess everybody needs to be all the fremen need to be bought into the mythology and the fact that he actually is the messiah otherwise that's he's a, not going to get very far yeah that's why there's a lot of just like one-offs like it is the legend you know like but <laughs> they really skim over it very quickly yeah but, but they, what's funny is they have like one of the one of the main moments where he is going to address this entire crowd, like thousands of fremen in front of him. He he gets there and he stands up there, and I I don't know if he says this out loud or in his head, but one of the first things he says is randomly, "Dune, Arrakis, desert planet." Arrakis, Dune, desert planet. That's not really the most you know exciting way to launch into your big speech, right? So I thought that was a strange choice. Well, in the book, though, as soon as he lands on uh, Arrakis, they start calling him. Uh, some of the um, some of the people start calling him the. Um, what do they call him at first? They call him something else. He has like so many names in it; it's like hard to keep track of. What him? Yeah, yeah. The what? not the Usul. Maud- no, the Usul is his name he gets when he joins a Fremen. Usul Madib. They call him. I forgot what it was, but they, they are they're calling him the Messiah basically when he first started landed before anything even happened. He's like, oh, you know, like oh, well, there's a, there's there's a couple scenes that they also cut out. Um, 
so there's a lot of you know like Islamic sort of messianic references, um, and I what was it that they called him? Um, I can't think of it. Yeah. Um, I'll have to watch the deleted scenes again. But um, oh, like um, Mahdi and um, some, something else, something I forget. But is, I think that might be what you're talking about. Yeah, I wish because it was like it was like when they when they first landed on Arrakis, um, like the the Fremen in the in the crowd were like yelling out and calling him that, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the, I wish I had I had it on a Kindle, so I can't flip through the book quickly to find that might be. Um, yeah, so it's, so so I guess there maybe that would explain why you know he's able to have the level of access he yeah. gets somewhat immediately. From what I remember, though, Jessica didn't use a voice on Stilgar. She wanted to um, kind of win him over without using the voice because he knew of the Ben Gesserit ways, and he she yeah. didn't she didn't want to force him into that. He wanted. He, well, he, she wanted him to accept it freely, and they'd be more uh, open to accepting him, her, and Paul. Well, and there's there's a it transitions relatively quickly to her assuming the mantle of um, you know, so she takes the water of life to become yeah. the Reverend. Mother that does for ha- it does happen friend. pretty quick in the book. Like it's not like as soon okay. as they meet, but it's like there's a there's some story between her and Stilgar, and they have to travel to another rock formation. They go down into the um, I don't know the the big well, the water cache. Yeah, whatever it's called. And then he does like end up facing like the whole, there's like a huge, huge group of like 10,000 or something like that. In the book, it's like massive. Like he's like, oh my God. And, like, like then they were all turning out to see the the fight with him and um, the J dude. <laughs> and oh, uh, he has that fight in front of like a huge group of people. Yeah, it's a pretty, yeah. I think like Freeman were coming from all over to uh, hmm. Freeman. 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 Freeman, Freeman. Yeah. Do, do they have the uh, the <laughs> last gun? Fear. fear is the mind killer. <laughs> do they have the las gun and the shield uh like the atomic bomb in the books or in the movie at all they at, at, the, at, at the end yeah. when they're attacking there's a they say you know gurney used the atomics on uh the shield, the wall. shield wall oh, okay okay because they use that a couple of times in uh in the the battle at the at the royal palace the first time and then uh i think that's what idaho uses when he um when paul and jessica is making the escape from the harkonnens that's why they thought he was dead because there's a um atomic explosion oh uh, I think that's what it was, but I'll be curious to see what the uh, new movie, like how much, how deep they go into it or not. And if there are there two movies already planned, do you know, like they're already like guaranteed two movies? Oh, I don't know. Cause fr- did they shoot them back to back? That's what I was wondering. Uh, Cause a friend of mine was saying like, he's really nervous cause they know he knows he's a huge Dune fan. And he was telling me that, uh, he's nervous with the COVID and all this going on that you may not get a good, uh, turnout for the dune movie in december and so they may not do the second movie if the first one doesn't do well so he was like really nervous i, that. I think they're just starting to delay uh, more and more often at this point yeah well that's I right he's hopeful this... like hopefully gets you know i think he was hoping for like a a, a year release later so he can get a good success for it uh. I do not see it listed here in um, yeah. on IMDb. I just so that was his concern. He knows that they want to do two, and he's hoping that this is good enough and does well. Well, I would assume. I would have assumed that if they the studio greenlit this, that they would they would have just you know filmed both films in se- in in sequence, right? And then they would do all of the uh, they release the first one and then continue working on all of the post-production on the second one just like they did with lord of the rings i mean it's a, it's a proven 
Yeah, but Lord of the Rings uh, is a more concept. Pretty, Lord of the Rings is but, more guaranteed material than. Oh, uh, like, I, I, 80, he, I don't yes, think that eighty-four movie but, was considered a success, right? In the miniseries, I don't know. Like it's tough material, and I don't know. I think it's more tough material because of Lynch than the actual source material. But I think that there's so many. I mean, look, this is like one of the the most loved science fiction books like, out there. And do, do executives people Hollywood want execs people, read people books? want to see this? I mean, you've got a proven director. You've got. Oh, a I, few, I think it's to be awesome. A, just a, a major cast. He's the one um, who did the Blade Runner, right? The remake. Uh, did he do Blade Runner? Yeah. He just, he also, well, he, so how do you? I mean, so Carl, how do you feel? Arrival. How do you feel about Timothy Chalamet as a? Paul? I think he, Timothy Chalamet yeah, is a great choice. Did. He did the fifth element. But so right? yeah, so do I. I actually think that uh, you know, I, I think he's um, he can definitely act, and I think he. Has I mean, it's not look. like you actually know who he is. You think he's like some boy band singer? Well, but, I was a little uh, confused. I didn't know if he was also a singer <laughs> on the side. I will admit that. Yeah. Not totally. When I did when I did my lockdown cinema with Mia on, uh, uh, what was that movie again? Little Women. Uh, I did not know that he was. I was not terribly familiar with his filmography. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just pulled up. Um, the cast here for the new Dune. I just want to just talk about it for a sec because I think it's really interesting. So Zendaya plays Chani. I think that could be like really interesting. Um, I, I really I think like, that's good. I like I like her in the Spider Man movies. Yeah, I think she's yeah. Fun. And I, I like um, I mean very different from um, uh, 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 so who played her yeah. in um, just her name's oh. escaping me right now in the in the eighty four version. Um, oh, I thought you were going to talk about the HBO no. series that she's in. No. No, no, who, who played Shawnee in uh, oh, Sean Young. Sean Young. Yeah, yeah, I like Sean Young. But you know what? She she's barely in that version that we watched. It's it's yeah, I, I there's forgot. Really, not a lot of Shawnee. No, and, and uh, most mostly you see her in uh, you know sort of half faded overlays when they're doing montages. That, that's where you see yeah. most of her, right? Either tell me of your asking homeworld the question. Uh, how yeah, much of the? That's basically her in that movie. How yeah. much of the like the southern. Um, like installment or whatever they call it of uh is covered like the re terraforming of arrakis and like the uh liet keens and like all the women living in the south do they cover any of that no no they they really like gloss over uh kinds i really like uh, him i love his his character max von saito is is great i really wanted to see more of him i really liked his character in the book and i loved max von saito's um portrayal of him but there's not a whole lot. So they, you know, other than that one scene where they go out to the 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 uh, the spice, um, which is a, which is a good scene, and, and it's a he, really good scene. And he does a lot of uh, you know, kind of heavy lifting in terms of from character work there. He does a lot with a very you know with limited screen time, and you kind of you like him. You like this guy. You're like I want to you know. And the fact that he that you see him gain respect for Leto because Leto is more concerned about the men than the spice. Right. Uh, that that whole thing is it's it's a nice little development moment, but then it doesn't really go anywhere because in the movie, all you see Marcus is uh, at the end. It's uh, Raban is ripping apart his still suit, and they're going to throw him in the desert again. The Harkonnens, why they not just shoot somebody in the head? Don't really understand. But that one they couldn't uh, shoot. They didn't want to kill they're them. Evil fucks. It was the same thing. They didn't want because the uh, Kynes was the what? emperor's man. Emperor's. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. the imperial planetologist. Uh, so they right. didn't want to kill. Him. But like obviously, if you just dump it in the desert you know what happened but they can claim right it wasn't us like it was like uh, so they didn't do any of the I, terraforming but, or any of that like the major plans no, they, for the fremen and all that no. oh wow. Nothing. 
Okay, because that was like uh, um, their their whole their whole being <laughs> explained their whole um, society and what they were doing and yeah no no they literally glossed over all of that uh, stuff. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, by the way, in the uh, the spice harvester scene, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but the guy who they're talking to, who is like on the ground in the harvester, saying you know that uh, that's actually too David, far away. That's that's David Lynch. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> How, um, I recognized I recognized him. I, I'm, like, I'm like, who is? I think I know that guy. I'm like, I must be a character actor. And he moved on. So. <laughs> what's the um, what's the like estimated size of the fremen in the movie? Then well, it's very it's very unclear at the yeah. end though when they are attacking uh, the the palace. There are you know what appear to be thousands of them that are that okay. are involved in the attack. Yeah, because the like that's one of the things in the book too. Like it's the emperor, the uh, emperor, and the Harkonnens only think there's maybe like a few hundred thousand on the whole planet and there's actually like 10 million or something like yeah they reference that they actually reference that in the uh in the movie as a throwaway and saying oh, okay. that um i forget who it is their numbers are unknown i thought they, they they thought it was like a very small like just a like a few yeah. fremen wandering the deserts yeah that's that's the harkonnen view within what the actuality is like oh there's just a couple of scattered tribes here and there and then the Fremen actually like, no, we're all living underground and there's a huge, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think it's a city, but I don't know what they call it, installment, in something in the south where they actually have plants and stuff growing and all that stuff. So one, of the, so one of the things they never explain in the movie, they just they just say that on Arrakis, like, like there's like the southern polar region, it's the forbidden zone, but they don't ever say like why it's a forbidden zone. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they, and that's and where why, they're, and that's why where is it a forbidden zone? Yeah, like no one, no one says, "Well, oh, well, why is it forbidden?" It's, it's I don't know like, because there's like about ten million fremen living there. <laughs> they they think that it's not um, like you can't get past like it's just a deep desert and it's all there is is uh, worms and other shit. Like it's not mm -hmm. livable is their view of it. Mm -hmm. But then if you get past like there's a twenty thumper distance you have to go to get past the uh, that zone and then you're in the far south and that's where the fremen are. Ever fucking heard of a satellite? There's a bunch of talk about satellites, and they actually they talk about it. How come they don't have satellites? And they wanted to get some weather shit up there and stuff. And like, there's an agreement between the Fremen and the Emperor somehow, which this part was kind of glossed over. Or they're I maybe mean, the Fremen and the Guild. And they didn't want any satellites above, or they destroy the spice or something like that because they didn't want them to watch what they were doing. Um, I gotta read the book again. Yeah, yeah me too. I want to read the book. Read the book. All right. So back to back to the new movie. So Timothy Chalamet as Paul, uh, Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica. I really like the casting there. Uh, I love Rebecca Ferguson. Um, Jason Momoa. By the way, just if you have comments, just jump in. Uh, Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho. That could be interesting. Yeah, I mean Duncan is he's sort of a throwaway character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Josh Brolin as Gurney Halleck. That's, That's great. Like it. Love that. That's Love really that. Good. Actually, That's and good. He, here's here's what I really like: Dave Bautista as the Beast Raban. Who's Dave Bautista? <laughs> I love Dave Bautista. I love Dave Bautista too. Actually, I, I think you, you know, it's Marcus. Um, if you still haven't watched Stuber, I'm going to recommend that again. I have not. Oh, Super Dave Bautista is the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy guy. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't good. think there's going to be much humor in this role. Though. What's his? Uh, oh, that's he's Drax, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, he's fantastic. Um, 
Uh, Stellan Skarsgård as uh, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Love that because I love Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> Watch that guy do anything. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see though. Um, like, do they do like all the boils and everything? So the boils yeah. are in the book, right? I think so. Or like no. he's he's definitely or not. Is that in just it. your imagine? I don't know. I I've seen the characterization from the. Movie. I don't think it, I actually don't think it is. I I think yeah. he's. I think so are, I'm really interested. They're hideous, for they are. but they're not. I don't know if they describe boils or what they describe how they look. Okay, the suspensors are the bigger piece. Of the suspensors. The, okay. Okay. They talk about like how large they are and how they can't move about and stuff like that. But I don't. Um, so it's gonna be like Job of the Hut. Yeah, but like that. with uh with anti grav units. Interesting. Okay. This, this is they don't sound as they don't sound they didn't. To me, like I've seen the pictures from the the movie, like I've seen stills, I've seen clips, so I knew what they kind of look like from that. But they don't seem to be alien in my mind from what they're talking about. They're humans, but yeah, they're yeah. like uh, like an ugly human. <laughs> they're like um, if the the humans from Wall E were evil. Some yeah, exactly. Something like that. <laughs> like like if you imagine like an evil fat king. That's just grown grotesque over like mm-hmm. generations of inbreeding and like gluttony. Okay. That's our Harkonnen in my mind. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Uh, Oscar Isaac as uh, Duke Leto. Really good. I I, right. I don't really like Oscar Isaac. He's oh really? Fine. I like yeah. Oscar, I like Oscar Isaac. I uh, I, mean, I, I don't I, know that he he doesn't seem uh, maybe almost old enough to be the Duke. I guess, but yeah. Maybe yeah, well, I think, think. He's, he's his hair is growing. I, I could I could see I I can see him as being Paul's father. I just yeah. don't particularly like Oscar yeah, Isaac. Okay. I, I mean, it's, do. I don't think it's well. We'll have to see what the movie is, but it depends on how big that role is to you. Yeah, uh, oh, some guy I don't know is playing Peter DeVries, David Dastmalchian, but I looked him up, and I think I've seen him on something. And you know, he's got he's got a good, unique look to him. Um, here's a good one. Javier Bardem is Stilgar. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think I re- that's a gr- that's a really good choice. The, the, I mean, I love Everett, like, I I love Everett McGill. I really do. I love his voice and everything. So yeah. having somebody with like a, a great voice in that role is pretty cool. Like, oh, um, did you ever see? Um, oh, did you see? Who's playing? Uh, is it the uh, Reverend the mother? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, 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 I told, I, I told you guys that during. Oh, I guess it, maybe it was the '84 podcast, or maybe uh, it was, no, it was the verdict. It was the, the verdict. verdict podcast. Charlotte, Charlotte Rampling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's got the eyes for it. <laughs> yeah, I thought, oh, that's really good casting. That's funny. Yeah, she, she'll be really good. But I, that's a really, really good cast. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it's gonna be uh, quite fun. Hopefully, this uh, right. do, do you, whole pandemic will be over. Can we? We all go see it together. Yeah, if a movie yeah, theater actually opens up somewhere by us, yeah, it kills me. You see we all these, that. you see all the tenant ads on uh, TV. I don't know if you've seen them, but they're like, oh, now, now back in theaters. I'm like, there's no fucking theater open by me. I'm in California. Okay. I actually want to see Tenant. I'm, I'm curious. Most people that I, most of the reviews I've seen say that you need to watch it twice. Like the first time you'll watch it, you mostly get it, but find it very confusing. And then when you watch it the second time, it makes it the movie that much better. Wait, what are you talking about? Tenant. Um, Tenet. What is that? The Christopher Nolan I, I, movie. Christopher Nolan film. What you oh. been? It's like I well the biggest movie of the, the year. Theater. The biggest movie of the year. I haven't seen it. Where can I, where can I see it? At the theater. 
That's I pay attention. I can't go that's, to the what, that's what I'm talking about. Actually, I should go because they're only they're like, what is it like limiting like 25 percent? Um, Are they open by you? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's not theater open by <laughs> me. Just the first time I'm hearing about this. <laughs> There's uh, well, hey, so, just to just to try to wrap up the movie part of this really quick. So the, you know, the, <laughs> the things that we have not the things that we have not actually talked about are you know the uh, Paul's uh, sandworm trial, him drinking the water of life, and the final attack on the palace. So is there anything, Colin, that you want to anything you want any of those sequences you want to throw something out as a just a yeah. Point so when when Paul um, drinks the water of life, um, Marcus will have to confirm this, but apparently that is a made up scene by David Lynch to in order to uh, express. A lot of information and no. cut out a bunch of other scenes. No, not not when he not not him drinking the water of life, but that particular scene where the three sandworms come up, oh. and they're, and, um, they're it's sort of like encompassing, but they're not attacking. They're just sort of like, you know. So that was a made up scene. But I really he doesn't like go that into scene. a coma like, for a couple of weeks and almost dies. Nope. No, he lays okay. down, drinks it, uh, and then sits up. Oh, yeah, no. I really like that the, scene. I think it. I think it works really well. Um, Dave, what do you think? As I say, I think it's good. I think the, I think it's, uh, I, I, all the desert landscape and all the worm stuff in this movie, I think, really works well. I think it's the most, some of the most interesting um, moments of the movie. And I think the, the, the only thing that I would say about that scene is the um, kind of what they were expecting to happen, right? So he goes out there with the fedakin, right? So his his warriors, and they all sit down, and he lays down, and then he drinks it um but there but the one thing about that is it, it does then flash back to you know him standing up and yelling the sleeper has awakened so he has all these you know it's this kind of the, the random flashing of visuals which is it that that's a repeated theme in this movie so it happens you know throughout it and sometimes it works and other times it kind of draws away and I, I almost think that if they had had that movie without some of that stuff going on and just kind of showed the i don't know focused on the the physical characteristics of what was going on it, it might have been it might have been more interesting. I don't know. But it's not bad. I, I like the scene. I just think that uh, it's something that the it's it, it the it, when you cut back to those the quick the montages like with the images being overlaid overlaid. I, I don't think overall that that's the strongest element of the movie. And so sometimes I think it's a little bit distracting. That's funny because I found I, the same thing with the uh, book. The because like, as I assume those are like the him seeing into the future and seeing different timelines and things like that. And I found that yeah. to be like it's not. Like, oh, I've seen this all happen before. But I go, then what's the point? <laughs> you know what's going to happen. And like, here's, my, here's my position on this. That if you've read the book and you understand everything, that it, it makes a, so much more sense. And um, I think it then works because you actually know what, what's going on. Plus, right. it just like they, they repeat a lot of the same sort of um, uh, lines of dialogue and which I think is great because then you get all the great quotes like father, the sleeper has awakened and, and, and shit like that. And which I really like. So I'm going to go, I'm going to say like it works for me. And the only, the only thing, maybe the, what is not made super clear in the movie is, you know, what will happen when he, you know, because it's very nebulous, right? So that's the only thing in terms of understanding yeah. the mythology of what, what it is that is, you know, cause every man that has tried this before has died he's going to do it. So what happens exactly if he's successful? I mean, does it mean that it, the prophecy as the, the, as the Messiah, like that he, he does is, that, or does he gain additional powers and abilities? I mean, that's the, I think that's the it, only thing that's not very clear. Wait, is I this think what it means? Him writing the word? 
No, no, drinking the water of life. Oh, like okay, what happens okay, after? Okay. What what is the expected result if he is going to survive? I think the ex- expectation ability? is that he is as as Alia says, for he is the Kwisatz Haderach. Yeah, I got That's, all that. I guess I'm saying is what what happens when you are the Kwisatz Haderach, right? Like, what do you actually get to that, do? I don't know, and I'm in fact I'm not even sure what happens at the very end of the movie. Like, so does he bring about actual climate change onto Arrakis, and now there's there's rain? Um, I think that's what happened. The book's left. Uh, I don't the, think this is. It's not wrapped not up what in the book. Happens in the book. Yeah, and it, well, the book just ends. Like the emperor kind of acquiesces, and he's made. Like, there's no like wrap up at the of the book. Does he? Uh, does he marry Princess Irulan? Um, I think they, or, or at least uh, say that he's going to marry her. Yeah, I think uh, in order to so that Unite ultimately the House Atreides will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then like her. That was a, that that was a that, deleted scene. Yeah, so her that son would then in line with the throne. Is yeah, that the idea. Then the the their son would be the next emperor or something or okay. whatever it'd be. Yeah, that's okay. the idea. But then like he's in okay. he pledges like yes I'll have a child with her but then he pledges himself to Chani. Right. Not. So Chani's his concubine, but she's yeah. Irlan. It will just be his like wife and sort of like official and name only. only. Yeah, uh, to a certain degree, um, but also like it. I think that I like, there's even plan to leave Arrakis and go with her. Like it's just like in like it's not even a formal thing. Like yeah, technically we are, but yeah, you know I'm just gonna, right. I think there, that's sort it. of what they're they yeah, were yeah. going for, but they they cut that out completely. So. Uh, yeah, basically like at the end of the movie, but they didn't tear for uh, Arrakis or anything like that. Right, they did in the movie. I mean, it, was, it, it wasn't terraform. It was just almost like they well, shut down Spice production. Yeah, and now Paul is like, so he's like the universe's super being, and like he, now he's just like sort of standing there at the end of the movie, looking off like a, with a thousand yard stare, like I am a demigod now, and yeah. um, and uh, and then it starts raining. Like I think like he brought about the rain. Um, that's okay, <laughs> but that's, that's, a, that's one way to tie up the movie. Um, well, yeah. and hey, Marcus, we were going to ask you because you stepped out for a second, but so um, Sting plays um, Fade in this, and we're, uh, what is he, like, in the movie, it's a very uh, limited role, so I think he has maybe like 20 lines of dialogue or something, and is there, and, and he doesn't, doesn't play a significant role. Does it, does, is he in the story more, the book more? Does he do anything? Not really. Like, he's the, like the emperor's... Uh... Like uh, Hitman, kind of, right? Am I, am I thinking of the right character name? No, Fade Rotha. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's that's... so Fade is one of his one of Baron's other nephews, along with the Beast. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to make sure I got the right. Uh... Oh, who was I thinking of? I was thinking like the. Do you like to have an ambassador guy, who is like the Emperor's kind of. Um... He was going to come in and kill Paul if, like, uh, they weren't able to do the treaty, like how the emperor wanted. What? No, mm-hmm. don't know. I forget what that guy's name. Don't was. remember. Um, okay, so Fade. It was. It was like he was a huge. No, no, no. Role. He was in it, and like the. I forget like his role in it. Like it wasn't much. At the time, I, I imagine I'd be curious to know what Lynch was thinking in terms of. Uh, casting Sting, it was if it was just sort of stunt casting because I I recall in the trailer for this movie, you know he shows up a couple times and so they're the, the trailer basically overrepresents what his uh, yeah. the screen time is going to be. But, 
We need to get the young kids into the seats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sting, Sting as a Sting wearing a codpiece. That sounds like that. That's the hook that you need. Do they, and they don't cover any of the jihad against the uh, Harkonnens. Like that's the whole. Uh, they they show that's the that's basically presented as a montage. So they 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 there's a bit of a voiceover that says over the next two standard years, uh, you know, Paul shut down spice production on Arrakis, basically. Oh no no no, that's have not... a montage. No no no. So what Paul Paul's trying to avoid, he wants to liberate Arrakis, but he wants to avoid all the Fremen going into the universe or into the other worlds and doing a uh, what he do, he was describing as a jihad against yeah. all. Uh, off-worlders basically so going off and like eliminating like all the way up to the emperor and this was his vision right. he was trying to prevent like right so he's like oh i don't want to be the messiah that's going to bring this about and so this yeah. is his timeline he was envisioning to say like oh this is not what i, I just want to free raucous and like free the fremen here but i don't want to enable them to like go and kill millions of people throughout the galaxy yeah that's why the the, the next uh was it dune messiah is the next book and it's basically him struggling with his role as a messiah and it's basically him wandering around yeah. in the desert that's basically it. <laughs> that, that sounds like what messiahs do and that's the that's the entire book so not not terribly compelling yeah no no uh so i think we skipped over one one scene which is one of my favorites uh paul uh also uh, another scene of him uh, addressing the the massive crowd of of Fremen when he um, you know calls upon them to have this um, this th- they are a storm a storm is coming right and then at Our the storm. end of at the end of it he raises his army and says long live the fighters long live the fighters <laughs> which is one of my personal favorites I think you know why. <laughs> Uh, I recall you drunkenly yelling that at your 30th birthday party. Yeah, <laughs> after, I think it was my 28th. There, 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 there was a moment where we said, hey, Colin, anything you'd like to say? <laughs> and pe- people might have been expecting things like, oh, no, it's great to have you here today. And, you know, it's fun to be celebrating with you. Nope. <laughs> you rose your arm in the air. Long live the fighter. It's <laughs> a fantastic moment. And then and my, my uh, I heard, I distinctly heard by uh, this guy I work with, Mark Forbes, say, oh, yeah. He's wasted. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I would highlight when they're so they they the, there's a cool scene where the Fremen they throw all these thumpers in the ground and then they all jump on sandworms and attack. But the the combat sequence again at the end where they're they're basically just kind of standing on top of a worm and it's basically just most of the combat is like a group of seven or eight people just kind of standing next to each other and just yelling things. And you see stuff blowing up everywhere and it's so it's it's not um it's it's fun to watch it with captions on. Oh yeah. Your name is my name is a killing word. Your name is a killing word. My name is a killing word. By the way, we forgot to talk about the scene where where the uh, Paul teaches the Fremen how to use the wording module and they like destroy the obelisk. But I always loved that those scenes because there's a bunch of like, good lines like that. Like, my name is a killing word. Um, Yell at it? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Break! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, the, the the last big battle scene is just, it's not really that good. Yeah, it's a little, a little clunky. Do they do it in a storm too or no? 
They, yeah, they wait yeah. for a storm because okay. they, that, they say that's going to limit Harkonnen air power. Yeah. And then they use atomics to breach the shield, and then they basically just drive a bunch of worms straight in there. Yep. That's, yeah. that's the book. Yep. yep. By the way, um, so we get to see um, Alia, right, who's, like, born, like, fully formed as a reverend mother or, like, with all the skills and knowledge of a reverend mother. Very yep. creepy. Very creepy. Uh, played by Alicia Witt who's gone on to have a, a very successful career as an actress. Uh, mm -hmm. Every time I see her pop up, I'm like, oh, I love Alicia Witt. And I didn't even realize it until watching it again that that, that was Alicia Witt. So she's born that, that one way. Of the things that, that, I was going to say she's born that way because then Jessica drank the water. She was pregnant. She was pregnant. Yeah. When, yeah. And so, that, so she had Lito's uh, baby. Yeah. So the memory, all like the memories of all the Ben Jezret like went into the daughter also. So she came out with all the memories of all the Ben Jesuits ever. It's funny because if you had asked me, you know, 10 years She's ago. She's supposed to be like, oh, what, basically. Yeah, it was like, what did, uh, you know, what, did, what, did, what annoyed you about this movie? I probably would have said Alia. Like that would have been one of the things I've been like, eh, I don't know if I like her. But upon rewatch this time, I actually was, I was digging her. I thought it was pretty fun. So she yeah, kills the, know, uh, she eventually kills the Baron, right? She kills the Baron, yeah. She yeah. uses the Gom Jabbar on him. Yeah, the same thing that the, the Rebel was going to use against Gom Jabbar. Yeah. Yeah, but I just I love the fact that she just walks in there and, and she's just you know like very confident in her abilities. That it's, and also very creepy. Very creepy. Yeah, it's very like creepy, creepy and confident. You're like you're like whoa. I would if like if I was if I was a guard in the back and you know she started talking like my brother, I'd be like yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually it's pretty cool because that's how it's described in the book. Like the uh, and then the barons. Oh no, the emperor has a Ben Jezret, um who just starts. Does he? Does she there like screaming at her? She well, she tries to yell, like just, and then she's she's kind of yeah. you can see that she's sort of struggling because the you know she sort of views Ollie as, as an abomination. Yeah, yeah exactly. Out of you know? my mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I pictured her in my mind when I was reading the book, like like a like kind of evil Carol Kane from uh, Princess Bride, just, <laughs> <laughs> just yelling to kill Alia. No, no, kill her, kill her, kill her. Like, my brother. <laughs> the voice is pretty funny. I, I'll have to. I'll try and watch a movie at some point too. Yeah, you should watch it. We can give you just a five-minute window. of. I'd, I'd be super curious, especially watching it now for yeah. the first time versus, you know, Colin and I had the benefit of seeing it when it came out yeah. the first time around. But so. I, I want, that's a, my plan was to read the book, watch the movie, and then watch the, um, the new movie. So the remake. I'm part, part of the way there. You got the book then. I got the hard part then. Yep, you get... Uh, how was how the scene get, with uh, Paul riding the worm? I got a, like just the special effects in that from the 84 version. It's it, it's they're, okay. They're, I mean, it's the yeah, it's it's terrible. it's fun. Okay. It's fun. Um, and the, the interesting thing, because I for some reason I had the Making of Dune book when I was a kid, and when uh, there's a there's a scene where they they pop open the side of the worm right to get it to rotate so that it stays up. Yeah, yeah. And when they pop it open, apparently what you see inside the way that they designed that was they used condoms. They filled condoms with a some sort of material because that would stretch <laughs> and make it look kind of you know weird looking. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. By like, the way, I, a, I thought you were gonna. A, did that come free? A factoid for you. Did the making of Dune come free with your uh, Fangoria subscription? <laughs> it did. I, I thought you were gonna say that you you had a making of Dune book and it was a pop up book. <laughs> you uh, have like uh, you uh, open it up and there would be this big sandworm that pops up. I'm like, no. <laughs> All right, have we reached the end? All right. You okay. Are, you it's a good one. All wood deep. All right. Well, uh, this is the Real DMC podcast, uh, ending our long, winding, random conversation about the movie and the book Dune.
So hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with something else. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye. Bye. I, I got to go anyway. I have, a, I have some cats to milk. <laughs>